Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, you already heard my two points. So here's point number one. In everything. Okay? In everything. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we already read that. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How can I give thanks in everything, in every situation? Man, we prayed for some big prayer requests this morning. We prayed for Betty. We prayed for Darrell's brother, Gary. We, we prayed for our friend, Ronnie. We, we're praying for tons of stuff. How can I give thanks in everything? Well, there are several things we're going to look at this morning that, that really helps us to give thanks in everything. Okay? So the first one, that he is ever-present. Isn't that a cool thing to you? That your God is with you no matter what situation you face? He is with you when you're doing good, when things are bad. I, I love this psalm, Psalm 46. This is such a good verse. My little girl, KK, read, actually said this verse on the radio. She says, it says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know what that means? He's always available. Well, when I'm going through difficulties, he's right there with me. That is an incredible thing. No matter what you face, no matter what you have faced, God is a very present help in trouble. Now we're going to jump back to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Now, if you're not quick with turning, it's okay. They'll be up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse number 8, says this. And the Lord, he is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Fear not. Neither be dismayed. Isn't that a cool verse? I love that verse. And the Lord, he it, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. That is incredible. Of course, given to the children of Israel. Were there times where they probably doubted that God was with them? Yeah, they did. They complained an awful lot. Okay? They had a very short memory, which is us, by the way. They often would go, well, God's not good. No, he is. Well, we want the, the leeks and the onions of the Egyptians, and they forgot that they were slaves. We do the same thing. Do you realize that before you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you were a slave to sin? That is where you were, and yet so often we're like, well, I wish I could just live my life however I want. We have such a short memory. But God is with you. God goes before you, and he will not fail you. He will not forsake you, and you don't have to be afraid. I think one of the greatest things that God, one of the things that we get so scared about, the, sharing the gospel, right? When you look at the Great Commission, this is not one of my verses, because if I would have added this, it would have been really long, and it's probably going to still be really long. You know me. Um, is, is that God said, I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you. It is so scary to talk to people and share your faith, because we don't know how they're going to respond. But God says, hey, remember... I gave you the power, and I'm walking with you. That is a great thing, regardless of where you are this morning. God has not abandoned you. He actually says that in Deuteronomy 31, neither forsake thee. But go over to Hebrews 13, verse number 5. It says this, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. How can I be content in my difficulties? Because my God hath not abandoned me. How can I make it through? How can I be like Paul where he's like, 
the guy, the guy almost, like to us, his mind seems completely out there, where he's like, well, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When would we ever say that? I've never heard a Christian go, yeah, bring the hard times on. That, that's not how we work. But Paul's like, hey, if it means God's grace is sufficient, we're going to look at this later because I'm jumping ahead, which I do all the time, which makes me so long. It, it's an amazing thing. God says, hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to forsake you. I want you also to be reminded of this. God has not forgotten you. That's a big one. Because sometimes we're like, well, everybody forgets me. I, I do all this stuff for the church and nobody ever praises me. Wait a second. God has not forgotten you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 10. Look at this verse. This is so good. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered in the saints and do minister. Can I share with you? Everybody else may forget what you're doing for God. God still remembers. He hasn't forgotten you. It's easy to sit in a church this size and go, well, they, they praise this person, they praise that person. What about me? God has not forgotten. Everybody else may. God has not forgotten. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't abandoned you. He is ever present. But not only that, he is ever gracious. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God this morning? How many of you are thankful this morning for the grace of God? Just raise your hand, okay? We're thankful for the grace of God. Remember God's saving grace, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I love these verses. For by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you realize God's grace saved you? It wasn't you. It, it wasn't because you were some awesome person. You may have gotten saved as a little kid. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. No, you are a wicked, vile sinner, and you are in desperate need of God's grace. Remember God's saving grace. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I already jumped ahead to these verses earlier, but these are so good. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Remember God's grace not only saves you, but it sustains you and is sufficient for you. Look at these verses. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. By the way, if anybody could be exalted, Paul would make sense, okay? All right. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought my, the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you realize what's happening here? We're going to pause. Time out. You know what he did? He had a thorn in the flesh. People have debated what this is. It really doesn't matter. It was something that hindered his ministry. Whatever it was, it hindered his ministry. He asked the Lord three times to remove it. He says, hey, God, I, I can serve you better if you take this away. And what is God's answer? No, I'm not going to do it. Because my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Do you realize this morning that sometimes when you pray and God does not answer the way you want him to, it could be that he wants to show you his sufficient grace? Oh, wait a second. We got a little quiet there. Because we always expect God to answer our prayers the way we want him to. What about the times that he doesn't? He's teaching you something. Are you going to learn the lesson? 
Let's continue on. Most gladly, therefore, this is now Paul going, hey, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's saying, if that is the lesson that I'm going to learn because of this, God, I'd rather have this issue, whatever it is, than you take it away. Now, look at what he finishes out here. Therefore, again, Paul, I, I don't, this is not us. This is not how we think. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. You know what that is? Sickness, health issues, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see how Paul really changed his tone here? God, remove it. God, I, I could serve you better if you did. And then God goes, no. And he goes, then I'm going to rather glory in my infirmities. Then I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. Can I tell you something? To give thanks in everything, we have to realize that God's grace is going to be what's going to sustain you. I want you also to be aware of this this morning. He is ever aware. <laughs> See what I did there? He is ever aware. Proverbs 15, verse number 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. This morning, God sees everything. Do you realize that? He sees everything. So often when this passage is preached on, we preach it to teenagers and things like that, and we go, hey, God sees you when you're in a hidden place. Okay, yeah, I see it. But yeah, that's there. Not only does God see when you and I do wrong and no one knows, he also sees when you and I do right and no one knows. So you know what I don't have to do? I don't have to go up to George and go, hey, George, look at me. I did this. I'm awesome. No. God saw it. And when I do that, guess what that's actually showing? Pride. I'm showing pride. That's a problem. Right? Let's just be honest. When I'm constantly patting myself on the back, there's a problem. That's not right. God sees all. He is ever aware. God is also always guiding. Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee with mine eye. Now look at the next verse. We often stop there. Look at the next verse. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. You know what he's saying? Take the guidance that God is giving you and go with it. You shouldn't have to have somebody that has a metal bit in your mouth and they're constantly directing you where you should go. You realize that God has given you his word to help guide and direct you in your life? And if I'm not in his word, guess what I'm going to be doing? I'm not going to be following his steps. When I counsel teenagers, when I counsel people, I always ask them a series of questions. Number one, are you saved? Okay, I think that's important. Number two, how do you know it? Number three, are you reading God's word? And then tell me what you're doing. Those four questions are non-negotiable for me because if you're not saved, we need to start there, right? If you don't know that you're saved, we need to start there. Then if you're not reading God's word, that's probably, the, that's probably the problem. You need to get into God's word. You need to study. And I'm going to say the same thing to you adults. Hey, we have an issue. I'm not walking with God the way I should. First thing you should do, 
make sure you're saved, then get into God's word. You know, God's word, scripture actually tells us this, that God has, given, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, meaning that he has given you everything to be successful. And yet so often, we act like we can't be successful. Why? We're not in his word. God's word guides and directs you. Are you like a horse or a mule? I think it's interesting that they put a mule in there because mules are what? They're stubborn. And that is us. God goes, hey, I want you to go this way. Well, I'd rather go that way. But I want to go this way. God says, no, go this way. But I want to go this way. And we fight and we fight and we fight. I've got, I've got two dogs. I've got Abby. She's a yellow lab. And I've got Bailey. Okay, She's a black dog. We don't know exactly what she is. Bailey will walk on the leash with no problem. Like, the leash will be loose. She'll stare right beside us. Abby? <laughs> She's constantly darting that way. And I'm like, no! And guess what? She will eventually go the way I'm going to go because I'm stronger than my dog. Don't be Abby. Be Bailey. God has given you direction. God has given you everything you need. Walk by him. Abby makes her life miserable because she's always pulling and she's like, you know, and I'm pulling her back. She makes her life miserable because she doesn't understand that I'm trying to direct her and guide her the way she should go. And we make our life miserable by going the way we know we shouldn't go. And when God has to correct us, we continue to fight and we continue to fight and we don't learn the lesson. Learn the lesson. Don't be like a mule. Also, he is ever working. Aren't you thankful for God's work in your life? Uh, this, these verses are incredible. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse number 6. It says this. Being confident. Confident. Of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know what that good work is that he started? Salvation. God began a good work in you. And guess what he's going to do? Be faithful to complete it. I can be confident in this. God does not. People have talked about God being like a God that holds a lightning bolt and he's ready to strike you down. No. God began a good work in you. And he's going to be faithful to complete it. In each of your life. In all of our lives. Teenagers, if God is calling you to the ministry, God will be faithful to get you to where you need to be. I remember when I was first, when God first called me to ministry, I thought God could never use somebody like me. First of all, I'm awkward. Everybody knows this. Second of all, I'm a goofball. Okay, that's, that's really who I am. And third of all, I'm, I'm a man with feet of clay. I'm not perfect. And that really, for a while, that really hindered me in ministry. It really did. I saw pastors, I saw youth pastors, everything looked perfect. They looked great. And I'm like, that's not me. So God can't use me. And then God showed me that he could use me, and everything changed. Why? Because God started a good work in me, and he's going to be faithful to complete it. He started a good work in you. He's not done. He's still working this out. God is still working in your life. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. By the way, Philippians is what? It's a book of joy. 
How can I have joy? Because God started a good work in me and he's going to be faithful to complete until the day of Jesus Christ. But also verse number 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do with his good pleasure. God is working in you. Every situation you face, every difficulty you face, he is working in you. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. What about the hard times, Dan? What about those times when I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do? What about those times that I'm struggling and, and it feels like God's not answering and when God answers, but in a way that I would never expect? What about them, Dan? What about the times when, I'm, when I lost someone? What about, what about them? 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Now look at this, verse number 4 who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You know what this is showing? God provides way to comfort. He is the God of all comfort. Comfort doesn't come from anywhere else but from God. He gives way to comfort so that then Wade can help somebody else who's going through a similar situation by the lesson that God gave to Wade. That's what that verse is saying. You see it? God gives us comfort so then I can provide that comfort to someone else. This is, this is where we struggle, though. But I don't want to be vulnerable. Wait a second. God worked in you. Not just for you, but for someone else. Right? God provided comfort. Why? So I could comfort someone else. And this is where we struggle in church. Wait a second. I struggle with my devotions. Now I have victory. I don't want to share that with anybody. Why? Because what if they think bad about me? So what? You may give them lessons that they could use. Do you realize our teenagers are struggling with stuff? And some of you have gone through the same thing that they're struggling with. And we don't act like it's a big deal to not pass it on. This is why God gives us comfort. So I can help someone else. This is what he's doing in your life. He is working everything out for his honor and for his glory. And yet so often we hold it in. And we don't share. You know, it's easier to kind of come alongside someone and go, it's going to be all right. And it's much harder to go, wait a second, I was in that same situation. And these are the lessons God provided. You know what that does? That helps that person get so much further down the road than you were at the start of that issue. Because now they've already got the lessons you learned and they can already start applying them before they get to the point where you are now. God works in you for a purpose. Even his comfort has a purpose. So I can give thanks in everything. Every situation. I think in many ways it's easier to... Give thanks in the situation than for the situation. Right? It's easier for me to go and say, wait, yes, God is ever present. God does care. And yes, he does guide and does all these things. It is so much harder for me to be like, God, thank you for this situation that is hard. So we saw our first point. We have to give thanks in everything. Thankfully, that was the long one. Okay, so we're good. So in everything, now let's give thanks for everything. 
So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 20. Because this verse is very clear, right? It's not, it's not really up for debate. It's not like we have great minds, they have to debate what this verse is talking about. It is super clear. Ephesians 5, verse number 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's look at this all things as I close out my sermon. That was great. Okay, for everything. Number one, I want you to realize that he allowed it. You realize that? He allowed it. A great example, Job. Why did all of that happen? Because Satan was having a conversation with God, and God said, okay, go ahead. Really? That's really what happened. He goes, wait, Job is only serving you because you blessed him. And God says, okay. Okay. Go ahead, test him. Go ahead, try him. You realize God allowed it? And how easy would it have been for Job when he found out what God was doing to go, God, wait a second, you allowed this? You allowed my children to die? You allowed all of these situations to happen in my life? You allowed it? But for me to give thanks for everything, I have to come to a realization that God allowed it. You, know, you realize nothing in your life happens unless God allows it? It's the truth. Nothing happens unless God allows it. So let's look at James verse, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Again, these verses. I'm like, really? you got to say it this way. Look at what it says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You know what that is? Trials, difficulties. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I, that's a hard one for me. Count it all joy when I go through trials? Seriously? Ser- are, you, are you serious? Why? Because the trying of your faith worketh patience. Do you realize God is a patient God? God is long-suffering. Aren't you thankful for that today? For me, I didn't accept Jesus Christ until I heard the gospel probably a thousand times in my life. I went to a, I went to a great church like this. I didn't accept Christ until I was 16 years of age because my heart was hardened. God was patient towards me. God is patient towards you. And if the trying of my faith worketh patience, and I can allow patience to have her perfect work so that I could be mature and complete, wanting nothing, I think that's something we should learn. God has allowed it. He has allowed it into your life. But also, this, this, is, a, this, is, a, this is so important, okay? He has allowed it. Number two, he has a purpose in it. This is good. Difficulties give us perspective. Romans 8, verse 18 says this. For I reckon, meaning I realize, I've come to this realization, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The difficulties I face, the trials I face, cannot be mentioned even in the same sentence as what God is doing in the future and as what he's already done. God has given me grace. God has given me salvation. And therefore, man, 
the sufferings of this present time, they're nothing. And I'm not trying to make light of suffering. I'm not. But when I realize what God has done, is there anything that could outweigh that balance? Me, who was an enemy of God, God reconciled. He fixed the relationship. That's me. He did it for you too. We we were enemies of God. We were going against him. If there was a battle, we would be picking up swords to go fight against God. That is what the Bible teaches us. And yet, he offered you grace. And yet, he offered you his son. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't offer my son for nobody. I love my little boy. He's crazy, but he's awesome. I love my little boy. I love all of you, but I ain't offering my son for any of you. I'm sorry, you're on your own, okay? And yet the God of the universe offered us his son. When you weren't just a good person, you were wicked, vile, disgusting in his sight. Yeah, God's a pretty good God. Pretty good God. And now also, difficulties drive us to our God. So not only do difficulties give us perspective, they drive us to our God. Job 13, verse 15 says this, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. You know what he's saying? Though God kill me, I'm going to trust him. Remember what Job was doing? Sitting on a fire, scraping off boils with broken pottery. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. By the way, at that point, he'd already lost all of his children, lost all of his wealth. He had lost everything very quickly. Because basically, like one servant comes, and then there's another servant in line to tell him the next news. It is not easy to go through one hard thing, but once they start stacking up on top of each other, man, that, that gets uncontrollable, doesn't it? Have you ever had that happen to you? And there was a, a pastor I served at when I was interning, and he said, you know what? When trouble comes, it invites the whole family. <laughs> That's really what happens. When you get one trouble, it, it, it just seems to topple on top of each other, and it feels like, man, I'm just being crushed by this weight. Job was here, and he goes, though he slay me, yet Will I trust him? And look at the end. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. You know what it means? I'm going to keep serving my God. It's easy in difficulty to go, why serve God? He doesn't care. Eh, he does. We just lost sight of it. But it is so much better to go, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I'm going to keep pursuing him. You know, that was Paul's real driving force in his life. He says that I may know him in the power of his, in the fellowship of his sufferings. He says, you know what? I want to know God. I want to draw closer to him. I don't want to be like just, one of his biggest fears was to be a castaway. Just kind of someone that's thrown off. Why was Paul so successful? Because he had one focus, pursuing his God. He didn't care what other people thought about him. He pursued his God above all else. Is that us? And we wonder why Paul can go, wait, God's going to say no to my prayer request, and now I'm going to keep pursuing it. I'm going to glory in these things, and none of us would glory in. None of us. He says, I'm going to glory in it. Why? Because his one pursuit was to know God. And if to knowing God meant that he was going to have to suffer, 
I want to suffer. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not me. I struggle with that. Anybody else? Any? Okay, I'm not, I'm not the only heathen in this room. Okay, good. We struggle with this. Why was Paul successful? Because he had a singular focus. I also want you to realize this. Not only did he allow it, not only does he have a purpose in it, but he can be glorified through it. Isn't that the whole purpose why we're here? To bring God glory? Right? That's why we do what we do. Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15 says this. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee. Look at this last part. And thou shalt glorify me. Why were they able to glorify him? Because they went through a hard time. And God worked and God delivered. And then they glorified God. Do you realize that is the same thing for us too? When I go through a hard time. It forces me to my knees. I, I go to God like no other time. I, I, I beg God for, for him to work, and I get into his word, and I pray. And then God delivers, and I go, wait. God, you're a great God. Yeah. Do you realize he was a great God before that trial happened too? Yep. <laughs> he was a great God before he taught you that lesson? This is what we need to get to, folks. We need to thank God in everything and for everything. Why? Because he is always good. And it is easy for my eyes of this earth to really get focused in and I completely lose sight of my eyes of faith where I see God working. And I go, but this is so hard, but this is so hard, but this is so hard, and I forget that. How can I forget that? When God has done so much for me, how? This morning, I I want you to get something. The God who did that can help you where you are. Why should I give thanks? (laughs) The cross. But let's be honest this morning. That's not where it stops, is it? He's given you his word. A miracle, by the way, that you hold it in your hand. He's given you his word. He's given you prayer. And he's given you each other. This morning, I I want to make this very clear. Whatever you're going through, your God is there. He is always there. And he cares more than you and I can even fathom. And whether God answers your prayer request the way you expect him to, or he does exactly the opposite of what you wanted him to, you can always trust him. I shared this with our teens. They asked me a question. I think one of them did. About how can I trust God when it seems like he does the opposite of what I'm praying for? First of all, we need to realize God does not have to answer my prayer request the way I expect him to. Number one. Number two. Oftentimes, God answers it in a more perfect way than I could ever expect. I prayed for Terry Wyrick. 
I prayed that God would heal and I prayed hard. And it seemed like God did the opposite. But in reality, God healed Terry Wyrick better than I was expecting. Why? God's perspective is different than mine. So whatever situation you face this morning, God's perspective is different than yours. So trust him. Give thanks in everything and for everything because he is working. All right, let's stand. Let's have a time of invitation this morning. I don't know about you, but this kind of message I, I need. As I was writing this message, it affected me. So I encourage you. I'm going to pray. I have no idea what we're going to do for invitation. Charles is back there. But we're going to pray. And I want you to do business with God. So you may be facing something right now that you're like, man, Dan, this is hard. Give thanks in your situation and for it. And let God work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.